Would you guys pray with me? God, I thank you for the ability to look at your word. Father, I thank you, Father, for the relevancy of your word. Father, as we look at a passage that, um, Father, took place quite literally thousands of years ago, and how, because you are God, it is still applicable, it is still relevant, and it still speaks to us today in our context, Father. Holy Spirit, would you move you move through this place? Would you move through these people? Holy Spirit, you are not confined to a camera or to a building. And so, Father, would you move here and now? In your name, amen. On the screen is going to be pictures of, of my Saturday, this past Saturday. I, it's, it's, it's October, and so we went apple picking. It was a glorious day as a family as we we're wearing our flannel in 72-degree weather. Uh, it, this is, you think that this is a marvelous, a bunch of, mar- it's a snapshot of hell on earth uh, for me. Uh, this, was, this was nothing short of a bunch of basic white girls getting together in a field. I, I got off of, like, Ava was going crazy all morning. We got to get to apple picking. I need to pick apples. And so I was like, well, I need to make you happy. And, and so we, we get in the car, all the kids, they all had to, like, Ava picked out all of their outfits. We had to get the perfect picture. We, this was all the needs. And, and, and we get to this, the battlefield orchard, which was, that's the orchard we needed to go to. We, we passed well, Witchmore or some other, some other orchard. And I was like, Ava, can we go there? No, that's not the orchard that we're going to go to. We have to go past that orchard to go to the good orchard that has like donuts and cider or something. We got off of the exit and my GPS said that, that we were 19 minutes away. And I was like, where is this orchard? And then I, and then I look at the Google map and, and I was 0.7 miles away. I had to wait for 19 minutes to go 0.7 miles, and I'm sitting there watching all the dudes and their girls in the driver's seat or in the passenger. Like, I'm watching all their faces. I'm like, this is not going to be fun for me. And I get there, and this was this is freehold. Uh, so these are all the people that are broken from Kim Kardashian and keeping up with the Kardashians that it's it's been discontinued. So all the people that are mourning that but dressed up like Kim Kardashian, they're to pick pick apples they need and here's here's what killed me they're all there because they need to be like to get their perfect picture not a single person is there because they need apples you know how i know that Shoprite still sells apples and no one needs these overpriced apples but everybody needed to be there i needed to be home watching football but no we were we were there this is this is kind of like if we're, if we're going to paint a picture like what's really a need well, think about this. Do you still need your Blockbuster membership? No. Why? Because that need is, in, is no longer relevant. And there's half of you right now watching this saying, what is Blockbuster? You don't need to know that anymore. They, why? Because what used to be Blockbuster, meeting a need, it no longer meets that need. So therefore, it is no longer relevant. We would say things like, I need a car to get from point A to point B. Yes, but there's only one in eight people on planet Earth that own a car. We get to the point of saying, I need a car, but this is where we start fighting and arguing, right? Because I need a car, but then it gets to the point where I need a certain car. 
It's not I need a car to get me from point A to point B. I need a certain car, a certain image, a certain look. We start then arguing. When it comes to needs and wants, we start then fighting over, why don't you see the need the way I see it? Why isn't this a need for you? He, we, we in the church setting, we can say, hey, people need Jesus. Y'all see Guitar Dad up there? His shirt said it. Y'all need Jesus. We all know that, that in the church setting, you and I need Jesus. If this was filled with people, we, we would say, can I get an amen? And yes, we can get an amen to that. But here's the point. We need Jesus, but what are we going to do about it? We're going to look at the apostle Peter today in Acts chapter 10. Peter grew up a, a Jewish man knowing the, the universal need for God while living in a community, thriving in isolation, and, and not want, knowing that God was needed by all, but not looking to expand God to all. Peter, Peter knew, he understood that God shows no partiality, but he failed to live out that reality. And so now we're going to pick up the scene where Peter is standing in the presence of a whole bunch of Gentiles. That is, that is a way of saying non-Jewish people. He's, he's in a home. He's had this experience with, with God Almighty through the Holy Spirit, through a dream and a, and a whole variety of circumstances where, where he comes to understand that Jesus is truly for all because he lived, he grew up in a religious setting that thrived in isolation. Now God is forcing him to expand his vision and see that if Jesus is needed by all, then the vision has to expand. And so this is a scene divinely prepared by God Almighty. And so we're going to pick it up. Here's what it says. So Peter opened his mouth. He's good at that. And he said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, everyone who fears him and does what is right, this is linked together, fearing God and doing what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news, Peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Peter's expressing the reality that there is a spirit at work in the heart of the sinner. That the spirit of God produces what, what is what we could call here reverence before God. That the fear of the Lord brings every man, woman, and child to a place where they are doing what is right. This fear, this reverence, this respect that leads us to live lives that are, are acceptable before God. This, what he's describing here is an attitude of belief. The Holy Spirit has done something inside of a person that leads them to an attitude of belief that would bring them to a place of, of, of living in a way that would say what, a phrase that he says here that's very important. Lord of all, Peter sees that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is Lord of all. This is significant when you think of a Jewish person saying this, not only to Gentiles, but now saying this in his own Jewish mind, that, that Jesus is Lord of all. He's not just Lord of the Jews. He's, he's Lord of all. He's Lord of the whole universe to do what? To bring mankind to a place of peace. It's a word that he says. That when you and I say yes to relationship with God, prior to that moment, there is no peace for us 
and God. We are at odds with one another because of our sin, but then we say yes to Jesus Christ. What he did, the finished work on the cross, that, that there is a penalty for my sin, a judgment that is taken out for my sin, that we say yes and we believe that Jesus Christ was punished on my behalf. And now the conflict between us and God because of our sin is no longer there. Therefore, we have full peace with God. It's a beautiful thing. It's full. It's complete. A few, uh, a few weeks ago, I guess it was, my, we, were, uh, we wanted to watch a family movie, and uh, we, had just, we, we were late to the whole Disney Plus train, uh, but we got Disney Plus, and, uh, and we decided to watch uh, Remember the Titans. And a uh, great movie, and, and I knew that it was a powerful message, and I, and I knew that it was football, and I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be good for the family. And uh, there was, you know, I have to admit, though, there was something uncomfortable about watching it because, like, it's, it's such a foreign, I, thankfully, it's such a foreign concept uh, to, to my kids. And uh, we're watching, and here's, here's one of the quotes. Here's one of the scenes that, that brought up a comment uh, from my son Landon. He, it says, uh, it's that scene where uh, the, the military uh, general comes up with his son and, and says, I, I want my son to play for you. I don't, and he's like, well, we were kind of stacked at quarterback and then he pegs that guy. and He's like, oh, we can, we can bring him on. But here's, here's what that general said. I met with Coach Tabor. He won't let blacks play on his team. The way I see it is if these boys can fight a war together, then they can play football together. That's what the colonel, the colonel said. And, and, and during that scene, my, my, my son Landon looks at me. He taps me and says, Dad, like, it is stupid that people, he, and he started plucking his skin. He said, it's stupid that people make this an issue. And I, like, I kind of choked up, and I was like, yeah, buddy, like, it is utterly stupid. What, what Peter is, is doing here is something that is at the heart of the gospel, Jesus came to fix the issue of sin. There is, there is no race. There is no sex. There is no social status that, that should ever stand in the way of the gospel. A gospel message that is for all. A gospel message that every man, woman, and child, no matter your skin color, no matter your gender, no matter any, like we all, all of us universally have sin. And, and, and nothing should stand in the way from us proclaiming that message. I will fight until I'm blue in the face against the thought of racism because it's an affront to the gospel. The gospel message says that Jesus can reach into every situation and bring hope. And so I am not going to get on, on, on the bandwagon of fighting the Jews coming down from Lakewood into Tom's River. Why? Because if there are Jewish people in Tom's River, that just means that the mission field, the mission for Jesus Christ is ripe. When we wrote the value, we, we, we celebrate, we value an all-inclusive gospel message. When we developed that as a church, we never, we never had in mind race. We never had in mind gender. We never had in mind those things. What we had in mind when we wrote this value is sin. Racism is sin. What we had in mind here is that there is, we're not going to nitpick sin. We're going to preach Jesus to everybody. I never once, when we wrote up this value, thought that it would have to be applied to skin color. And so when I Googled this week, stupid, having, having or showing a great lack of intelligence or common sense, 
with that definition in mind, and what, what Peter is saying here, I can say as a follower of Jesus Christ that racism is stupid. Do me a favor, wherever you're watching right now, take a breath. You can take a breath. The gospel applies to you. That's our common ground. Here's where, here's where Peter goes with this and then the rest of the, in the, in the remaining of the text. He says, you yourselves know what happened throughout all of Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed now, or how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing the good news and healing all who were uh, oppressed by the devil, uh, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God, but God raised him up on the third day and made him appear not only to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. <laughs> What Peter does is he recaps Jesus' earthly ministry. He starts with the, the, the scene where he was with John the Baptist. He gets baptized. The Holy Spirit comes down in the form of the dove. And, and, and then he brings it to the place where, where later on, about three years later, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He does, he's put into the grave. And but God, the, the power of God, raises him from the dead. And Peter is, is very, very clear to say, he, he adds a little tidbit here that, that Peter's like, I had a meal with him. Jesus didn't, doesn't, doesn't rise from the grave. He doesn't walk out of the grave in some like Casper the ghost type, type body. He comes out of the grave and he's able to have a meal. He's able to touch. I'm able to interact with him. I, Peter, saw this. I am a witness I affirm his earthly ministry. It is undeniable. All the rumors you've heard about Jesus in this regards, they are true. Everything points to Jesus. And there are a few that had an eyewitness account of his, risen, of his risen body and all that it implies. And it leads us to this question. Do we understand the true Jesus? When we talk about needs, do we understand the true Jesus? Do we have the right terminology? Are we talking the same language? Uh, about, a, about a year ago, I was reading a book on, uh, on Enneagrams and marriage. Two things that I love, Enneagrams and marriage. And I was reading a book because I'm a nerd on it. And uh, in one of the, oh, it was actually a really cool audio book uh, because the husband and the wife, uh, they co-authored it and both of them were talking. It was just a unique audio book. And anyway, so I, I was listening to this book and the wife uh, in, the, in the first chapter is telling a story about how, how their different personalities brought in, brings in different types of conflict into the marriage. And, uh, and they said, she tells a story about when they, while, while they were engaged, uh, they, were, they were in the car together, and she's like, I, I finally worked up enough courage to have a very hard conversation with my fiancé. And, 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 she, and she says, and she's like, okay, so I finally said it. She, she, she turns to her husband or her future husband while, while he was driving, and she says, honey, I know that you put a lot of energy into finding the perfect band, but I really don't like it, and I would really love for us to find a new one. And there was this, this slight little silence. And, and, then, and then he said, but I thought this was what you wanted. I asked all the questions. I heard you. 
And, and you, you're like, this isn't good enough? Like, the band isn't, isn't good enough? It feels like you're impossible to please. Like, it, it, this feels like you're showy. This feels like you're fickle. Like, this, like I, I, no, I'm not changing it. And so it went off like an atomic bomb in the car. There was just silence then, she says, for the next five minutes. And, and finally, she broke the silence and says, you're right, I do care about people. I don't want them listening to an 80s cover band all night. And he responded, you're not talking about the wedding ring? And, and she was like, no. And then the conversation was, oh, yeah, I just picked an 80s cover band because they were cheap. We can change that whenever you want. They weren't talking about the same type of band. And, and so that brought in the conflict. That brought in the silence. And all of a sudden, once they were talking the same language, they were then able to have a conversation. When we talk about needs, when we talk about a universal need, we must talk about Jesus. You cannot talk about salvation. You cannot talk about the gospel apart from Jesus. Jesus has to be in the conversation. But the question is, do we understand Jesus? You cannot understand God without Jesus. People will say they know God. But do they really? Do they really know God when they're ignorant of Jesus? Peter here is stressing Christ. Everything hinges on Jesus. So shouldn't we get him right? If your spiritual life blew up during COVID, was Jesus everything for you or was the concept of church everything for you? Did we make a God out of church to the neglect of our relationship with Jesus. Is the Jesus you want the Jesus you need? Here's where Peter now concludes this section. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify, to preach and to testify that he is the one appointed, appointed by God to judge, to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That you and I have a task. Yes, the apostles saw an eyewitness account of the risen Savior, but now you look at the whole, you look at all of Scripture. All of Scripture says that we have a similar task to bear witness to Jesus Christ, to give testimony to this. So as we bear, as we take this command seriously, that Peter brings out two things that we are to preach, that is confidently proclaim important news, but then we are also to testify. That brings in this, this court-like language that we're making a serious declaration about what we presume to be knowledge and truthful. So why is this a command? It's because Peter draws two important outcomes that is going to be true of every person that just went like this. Took a breath. There are two outcomes for everybody that just did that. Judgment or forgiveness. It's one of two outcomes. We can't share the good news of Jesus Christ without sharing why it is good news. A rescue ship means absolutely nothing to you unless you're in a position of needing rescued. And so we must talk about Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, that belief in Jesus brings the forgiveness of sins. This is, this is an uncomfortable message 
But we must paint this picture to be talking the right terminology about Jesus Christ. This past, it happens often. Mondays, my Monday prayer time usually does rock me. And, and so I woke up Monday and uh, I, I dropped, I forget what it was. I dropped something in the morning uh, that on my way into the house. And, uh, and I was like, crap, that probably woke some people up. And it did. I went upstairs to get some more clothes on. And uh, I have this habit before I go out to, to, on my prayer walk, I kiss, I kiss my kids and, uh, while they are sleeping. And, uh, and Landon was awake. I had woken him up. And he goes, Daddy, can I, can I walk with you? And I was like, fine. Uh, I can't say no to that. And, uh, and so I was like, yeah, buddy, like, get some warm clothes on. And so we go for a walk. And uh, when, I, when I walk with my son, I usually, even without my son, I usually go through the acronym ACTS uh, as I'm praying. Now you can Google that. And uh, we got to a place where we're praying for other people uh, towards the end. And uh, Land's like, I was like, this is where you can pray for one. This is where you can pray for your friends that don't know Jesus. And he's like, he kind of was like, why? He kind of like, like, okay, like kind of whatever about it. And I was like, buddy, like we, we, I paused for a second. I was like, as we were walking, I was like, buddy, like you have a whole new group of friends in the neighborhood. How many of them know Jesus? None of them. Okay. Buddy, what is the reality? What we believe to be the reality of the end of their lives. Do we, don't, we, don't we understand that those that die in rejection of Jesus, like there's a very real outcome for their lives. Shouldn't we at the very least be praying for them? And, and he, he paused, he thought about it, and I can, like, he, I've never heard him list off so many names at the, after that, where he was praying for people by name to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Jesus himself spoke about hell throughout the scriptures, but he didn't speak about hell to give us an understanding of what hell would be like. He, 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 there was some of that, but rather what, when he spoke of hell, it was to encourage people to repent. It was to encourage people to live a righteous life. It was to encourage people to avert uh, punishment. Hell has never been a popular message, but it is something, it feels so uncivil, but it's something that we must speak about so that people understand that Jesus cares very much about sin, so much he's willing to die and not be flippant with it. And so our task as Christians is not to, is to, not to be, on, be on a sidewalk with a sign that says, you, you be damned or anything like that, to, to be all judgy. No, it's to, it's to paint a picture of true judgment with a true answer. Uh, an answer to that dilemma, Jesus Christ. It is to not, to, not, that, not that Jesus was living. He was strong. He was sent. He was co- accomplished. He's risen. He's alive. What I have to say, what I think Peter is saying is that you need Jesus. I need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus and everybody can have Jesus. When I looked at this passage, what I think the big thought for us in this online experience is simply this. Everyone needs Jesus. It all boils down to this. Everyone needs Jesus. That I am a big sinner, but my Jesus is bigger. I am a big sinner, but my Jesus is bigger. I think this whole thing boils, I think, you know what? You could even say all of Scripture boils down to this. Everybody needs Jesus. But this feels like such a basic point. I was like, this is too easy. This is too simple. But you know what? This is exactly what Peter is wrestling with. This is exactly what he is struggling with. He knows it to be true. 
But now he has to live it out. And now he's confronted with the reality that he thought this was a Jewish thing. But there are Gentiles right in front of me. And I've come to terms with Jesus and have a very real relationship with Jesus. That there are people sincerely seeking after God and have been met by the power of the Holy Spirit with a risen Savior. The gospel is for everyone. Everybody needs Jesus. And so I ask this in week, week one of this series. What do you make of Jesus? He's the only solution to the problem that you have with sin. You have a very real need, and you have a very real solution. So, but I'm going to now go next level. You might be watching this in the car. You might be watching this in your living room. There is, a, there is likely a person next to you. There is likely a person next to you. That person also has a very real need. And that very real need can only be answered by Jesus. That person at work that annoys you needs Jesus. That son that you can't wait to graduate and get to college needs Jesus. That coworker that deep down inside you're kind of waiting and hoping that they get fired, they need Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. That doesn't only apply to you. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to read you the passage that we're going to preach about next week when we close up this, this starting point series. I'm going to read you this passage, and I'm going to make you a challenge that I think is, is applicable for, for wh where I think this text is going. Here's, here's what we're going to preach about uh, next week. For Moses writes about the righteousness that was based on the law, that the person who does, uh, does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, uh, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring uh, Christ up from, from the dead. But who does, who do, what, but what does it say? The word is near, uh, near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim because... Here, here's, the, here's the focal point. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, again, Jesus is Lord of all, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then what? You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Next week, at the conclusion of this series, I am going to invite people to say yes to a relationship with Jesus, to confess with one's mouth and believe in one's heart. I'm going to, I'm going to bring about that invitation. But, but here's the thing. In two weeks from now, on the 25th, we're going to be back in this place, uh, and, and we're, going to, we're, we're going to be going from outside to inside. So on the 18th, we are, we are canceling a live church. We'll still be online. You'll still be able to do this. Uh, but because of that, so the 18th, we're not going to be physically meeting uh, downtown. Uh, so what we're going to do and where I'm going to bring this challenge is I'm inviting you, I'm challenging you to have, have a watch party at your house. And so at church uh, this coming weekend, and, or if not, like if you want to take this challenge, you could also go to the well. We're going to have packets available uh, for people with like hot chocolate, uh, popcorn, these cheesy little games that talk about family time, conversation starters. So you can invite people over to your house and just ask some funny questions ahead of time. We might even give you some well coffee, uh, ShopRite gift card. We'll have these little packets that you can get at the well, uh, or uh, or you can come to church this weekend. But if you're watching this, you probably already missed it, so you can get it at the well. Uh, but we'll have these little packets for you. And here's my challenge: knowing that in, in on the 18th, that I'm going to preach this passage, that I'm going to invite people to say yes to relationship with God. 
I'm asking you to see that Jesus is for everybody and invite them into your home. Invite them into your home. And right there in your living room, they might then take that opportunity to say yes to a risen Savior. Jesus is for everyone, not just you, for everyone. And so my challenge is to host and to have a watch party with those around you. Invite them into your home. Take our little goodies, whatever it is. Make a welcoming environment. And God willing, they're going to say yes to Jesus. So it's only appropriate that we pray right now. God, Lord, I am praying, Lord, that there would be 10, 15 men and women strong enough, bold enough, like Peter, to see that Jesus is for everybody. On the 18th, Lord, I pray that we have a church that has invited our friends, our families, our ones into our homes. Father, I pray that you would, would empower the preaching of your word. Lord, and that you would move where, where in homes people would understand the need to confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord, he is the solution to our very real need. And so, Father, in the homes of our people, might there be a move of God that leads people into a very real relationship with you, God Almighty. Would there be people in living rooms that entered in at war with you, leaving at peace with you? Jesus, would you move? Would you heal as you are continually in the healing business? We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Let's sing this one last song. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.